0: People were less scared to buy a home during the COVID-19 recession, despite all the things we talked about, all the turmoil, all the uncertainty, than they were to buy a home with mortgage rate shock. Yeah, makes sense. They're more afraid of the real implication of the price than they are of the uncertainty of the unknown. Right, That to me is crazy. Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Welcome back to the higher standard, everyone. This is a special 4th of July edition. Saeed, do you love America? I love America. So do I. Arun, he does too. That's why the flag's in the background, because he thought that'd be very American. I love that. That and kind a of beer. Yeah. Although, arguably, a peach beer, not Cheers, the way guys. to go. You take your Red Bull and shove it right up your ass. Jeez. Welcome okay. back to the show, everybody. Some of us are trying to be responsible adults and salute this country while you're over here disgracing it with your Thai slash German drink.
1: I, did, I had no idea until you told me earlier
0: for the show. Yeah, I went to Thailand. In Thailand, they still sell the original. The original is like a little glass vial, like a shot. Yeah. And it tastes exactly the same, but it's a heavy syrup. mm and the guy who invented Red Bull, if you will, actually just mixed that with sparkling water, and that's how he got Red Bull. Mm. Dropping knowledge, brother, on a financial literacy podcast. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Bro, you, you go you okay back there? I'm worried about you today.
2: Why? Why?
0: You know because um, <gasps> oh, God, oh here God. we go. Here no we go. why? why did I did not even fall for that. No, that's not it. Come on. <laughs> what are you worried about? That's so messed up. Tell me what are you worried? I about? just feel like you've been you know mean to him before we started the show, and I just want to make sure that he was okay about all that stuff you would. Attacking him before the show started. What
1: exactly? Why do you? You're spreading misinformation, dude. You're trying to get us kicked off of YouTube. That's not true. You you got real
0: pouty over the show intro, and you're like, hey, man, I'm not going to put any time into this, man. So you guys do whatever you want, man. And you know, I mean, ruin is that not an accurate representation of what he said? 100%. See? Is this gaslighting? No. Gaslighting would be making you think that you're wrong when you actually weren't. Okay. In this case, you actually were. Oh, okay. (laughs) I spent some time researching gaslighting, and that's my conclusion. I got it. All right. Today's special episode will include some interesting and sexy topics, which will probably put us off on expedited field Raid tangents. A whole uh, lot of I told you so's. A lot of I told you so's. Starting with the Supreme Court doing something that we told you all about. Mm. Moving on to home builders and Dr. Horton revealing some interesting data as it relates to their, their market segment, which I call bullshit on right out the gate. U.S. corporate bankruptcies, as Saeed alluded to on previous shows, are on the rise. We'll talk about some home prices. Make fun of Austin for a little bit, because, you know, why not? Yeah. But like... Easy target. Yeah, they're there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to be in Texas and then be a Democrat and you're in Austin, you deserve it. Okay? Mm,
1: kind of an asshole.
0: I'm just saying. We'll talk a little bit about home prices again after that, just because it kind of piles on to making fun of, not because it's in, like, a strategic order or anything.
2: Mm-hmm. And then maybe...
0: We'll talk about people people hiring phone bots to torture telemarketers. I put this in just for you. I know you did, because I fucking (laughs) loved torturing telemarketers. Full disclosure, if you're a telemarketer and you ever call me, okay, expect me to fuck with you. Yeah. Okay, that's going to happen. Expect to go on a ride. Yeah, just know, I know that you don't know, and I'm okay with it. (laughs) I'm okay with spending as much time as I need to to ruin your day. So I want to preface this right out the gate. OK, we're going to talk about this article from Bloomberg. Yes. Supreme Court throws out Biden's student loan relief plan with I fucking told you so. Yeah. I said it wasn't constitutional. Mm. Everyone's like, no, nah, man, you're a hater, man. Mm. It was never constitutional. He was trying to use the Heroes Act, which is really more of a wartime act. But more importantly, mm. it completely overstepped the bounds of what his executive authority was this was clearly legislative the congress has to do that the president could not do what he was trying to do so the justices voted six to three on ideological lines to reject loan relief mm. and the ruling is set is a huge setback for the biden campaign because he's a lying asshole who thought that he could do this and now i'm not going to say him directly because he's got advisors and blah 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 blah, blah. you know it was but him. they knew this was political mm. They did this ahead of the midterms to get more votes to swing in the democratic and on the democrat side mm-hmm. and they were hoping to get some push, but they knew they knew it yep. was never going to be con- if me, a moron who didn't go to the greatest law school in the world, who's never really practiced it, like every single day, nine to five, if I know my basic 101 constitutional law background, this was a clear overreach yep. of constitutional authority, if I knew, they should have known should have
1: known well and we'll we'll Make sure we tie in why there's a financial literacy component to this.
0: I feel like saying I know is more important than that right about now. <laughs> I was right, God damn it. <laughs> so let's get into it. Cite like what? We talked about the article at the beginning. What, he so said, you know, he said
1: you, are you listening to the show? He I, said, he Are, you, are you listening, brother? Oh, did he say Bloomberg? I did. Right, right, I back, said,
0: yeah. That's yeah. all right. Well, I'll get into the, the quote from the, the article then. We'll yeah. make, I'll make you happy. And then I'll cite the article and actually frame something from the article instead of just say, I told you so for 30 minutes. Which was my plan. Very, I told you so, very American. Of you. Very, oh, <laughs> wow. You are the devil. Wow. wow. <laughs> Jesus. So, this is from the show notes. And I'm going to say it again. I've been telling people since it was announced that the Biden administration's student, do- student debt forgiveness plan was unconstitutional as presented. Mm. A lot of people were very upset about that opinion, but it was simply basic constitutional law, as I've now said for the third time, because I like saying that I'm right. Can we give a little recap before? Because I know you're going to give the final
1: ruling on this. So, for people that were living under a rock what was being presented basically what he was trying to forgive ten thousand dollars per student borrower up to twenty thousand dollars for people who have Pell grants right yeah. it would have 26 million people applied 16 million were automatically just approved no can you fucking believe the people who
0: actually went to that website and filled out all of that shit I mean, these guys... It was actually really fast. I know during, people... I don't during the they midterms, it. It was, they opened that website up and people were literally fucking going there to type it in going, like, I'm going to get money waived. And I'm like, no, no, you're not.
1: Yeah. You know that what a lot of people were saying is that it was a win for, for the government to create a website that didn't crash.
0: And people, <laughs> 26 million people came out and they were able to do it like very easily. So here's the part that blew me away is that was actually used as a defensive position. So when this was announced and they're going to forgive or completely waive some student loan, depending on where you were on the spectrum of people with qualifications. Yes. Uh, military, for example, I think they're trying to completely waive some of that. And, you know, good for them. I, I, I supported that one, but whatever. I knew that it wasn't going to get past any kind of, of legal push. And right. as soon as we saw the states, I think it was Nebraska that appealed and everybody else that mm-hmm. started bringing you know, lawsuits because of it. I knew it was going downhill fast because there was just no. No stands for But these things take time. And people were citing that that website went up and they already applied for it as yeah. a reason that I was wrong. Chris, the website's up. I've already applied for it. okay, <laughs> And I'm approved. You're wrong. I'm approved. Right. This is going to happen. And I'm like, no, it's not. Right. No, no, it's not. Right. Lawsuits take time. And I guarantee you there'll be an injunction, which they did get. Right. And then it'll go all the way to the Supreme Court, which it did do. Right. And they lost. Right. So under the HEROES Act, which what the Biden
1: administration tried to get this. A statutory uh, regulation passed, right, was they thought that due to there being an emergency regulatory provision, that mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, that triggered the emergency that they could then uh, submit this, right? And I believe but Trump initially suspended the payments under, under his administration. Which is something you can do vis-a-vis the HEROES Act. Yes, so you could suspend the payments of no interest, right? That happened during the beginning of the pandemic in March. So
0: keep this in mind. For the last three plus years. But keep in mind, too, at that point in time, the legislature, Congress and the House of Representatives mm-hmm. uh, and the Senate, they legitimately supported Trump's action in doing that.
1: And I and I agree that they should have during that time. There was so much uncertainty, right? At the beginning of the pandemic, no one really knew,
0: you know, unemployment was getting ready to spike. Things were going out of control. I think it was done too soon. In my honest opinion, I think it was done too soon.
2: Uh, I think really? part
0: of the reason we're in the financial position that we're in today was that the government sent people home to work. We had these immediate knee-jerk reactions because we were so afraid. Mm-hmm. You, people can't go to work. People can't do this. People can't do that. We were trying to find a way to have business still be open. Right. I think it was all too much of an overreaction. Yeah. I think we were all freaking out mm-hmm. and we were all going way too hard at the, holy shit, let's come up with a backup plan strategy when, when in
2: reality, we, sh- we should have taken a harder look Right. at the pandemic itself. Right. So, you want to... My reading. Uh, Okay, Aaron, you want to tell him or should I tell him? Go for it. Okay, your energy levels, subpar
0: today, brother. Come on. Yeah, you coming in. I, is, is, there, to... not, is this water in this Red Bull? What's going I'm on? Trying, I'm trying to be respectful. There's oh, the energy. Bring there. the energy. So I got to make fun of you to get you going? I'm, I'm trying to be respectful before okay. I get into my points. So I, I have to say mean things to you to get you going. There you go. You look fat. Uh, I do. I you know. look fat. Stri- Strip. Vertical stripes on a rotund guy is not a good call. Ooh, makes... I want you to be paranoid and use that energy the rest of the show, Okay. <laughs> Where's the white T-shirt? <laughs> the black T-shirt thing looks skinnier, apparently. <laughs> I've been going back and researching old footage. <laughs> the U.S. Supreme Court tossed out President Joe Biden's plan to slash student debt of more than 40 million people, 26 million plus, had already applied and got approved on the website, rejecting one of his signature, quote, initiatives as exceeding his power. Oh, my God. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I did. I knew. Right. And so did you, if you listened to the show. The justices voting six to three, like I cited earlier, along along ideological lines, sided with six Republican-led states, six, that sued to challenge the program, which by more than one estimate would have cost $400 billion over 30 years. Remember if you could scroll up a little bit for the last paragraph. Now, that is a lot of money and a lot of money to spend during what is clearly a situation where the Fed is battling inflation. Government spending would have Helped inflation increase, not decrease, it would have worked against the Fed. So this being offered at that point in time mm-hmm. also was completely ignorant to the landscape financially, what was going on. Writing for the court, Chief Justice John Roberts, one of my all-time favorites, by the way. If you ever mm-hmm. get a John Roberts citation, you get the opportunity to read his opinions. They're always snarky and pointed. Right. Love it. He's yeah. a sassy motherfucker. He's sassy. Chief Justice John Roberts said the administration was, quote, seizing the power of the legislature, end quote, by trying to cancel more than 400 billion dollars of student debt. That's the legislature's decision, not the executive branch of the government. That is not in his discretion and should never been done. And I truly believe they knew they could. Yeah, because there there are other methods
1: that they could have used to actually go down this path. There's the Higher Education Act that they could have used, which arguably has a better chance of passing. Now, that would have its own challenges as well, given the fact that something like this should really go through Congress and not the president should be making a ruling on this. But ultimately, what they the court decided was there wasn't, you know, uh, what is it? An emergency regulatory stat authority. Get
0: you. Siri, man, Siri, Siri, know Siri,
1: me, you know? Siri, not used to me talking so much. She's like, dude, hey, this has got to stop Siri's talking. Siri's
0: like, why is this chubby dude talking to me? I don't know, <laughs> Siri. I don't know.
1: Basically, they thought that this, there wasn't an emergency regulatory authority for the president to come out and act this way. And best example that I could think of, I was sitting at home, I was like, how can I break this down? If we have an emergency savings account and I decide my car needs fixing and I go, you know what? Fuck this. I need to go buy a new car. I spend that emergency money on a new car. My wife comes in because the presidential veto down says, no, sir. Go get your car fixed. That's a good analogy. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like that's not an emergency, side. You miss you misread that entire situation.
0: Well, yeah. Basically, it's their job to decide what's an emergency, not the executive branch's unilateral authority. Right. If you give the the whole point of the system is checks and balances. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have the president acting with this unlimited power, there's no check and balance on him. The mm-hmm. whole point of having the le- legislature is they're supposed to be representative of the people, yep. representative of the states. Now. Corrupt as it may or may not be, I'll leave you guys all to decide. Pelosi, <clears throat> Pelosi, it, it's got problems AOC,
1: for sure. AOC out here really upset that there isn't a contingency plan.
2: Right? I feel
0: like AOC's problem, though,
2: is that she's always upset.
0: <laughs> she's very upset. Like she's got to taper back when she's happy and when she's mad. Otherwise, you wind up creeping into, you know, Janet Yellen territory. Maybe that's the goal. I don't think that's anybody's goal.
1: I think that might be her goal.
0: Nobody wants to be an asshole 100% of the time. Maybe. You are. Oh, that would be hurtful.
3: <laughs> if it wasn't true.
0: If it wasn't true. But see, I don't want to be an asshole 100% of the time. It's, it's me fighting against my genetics. Right. So now, what you're going to hear over you're the... You're not even going to
1: engage with me on that. Not, not, not. Who are you today? The, Why are you on the show? For the, I'm are you be, here? Are you here because you have responsibility? Because you want to be doing this? I'm trying to be the nice guy. So that's listen, not you. Over the coming weeks, what you're probably going to hear is now because, you you know, Biden's got an election coming up,
2: right? November
0: and, 24, November 5th. And, all,
1: and ultimately, this hurts
0: his re-election campaign. No, no, no. But he came out and he also said in a press conference last week that he's accepted the nomenclature that he didn't come up with. Somebody else did mm-hmm. of Bidenomics. And he and his administration have brought down inflation yeah. under Bidenomics. Not really, though. Not No. A, no. N- n- <laughs> Not, not at all. Not, not, yeah. not,
1: when, not when looking at the Fed's preferred measure. when we'll get into well, that. Well, first of all, later. the Fed brought down
0: inflation. Right. Okay. Start right. there. Yeah. And second of all. He's been working against it. Yeah. He, this bill of his, had it been passed, would have right. thrown inflation through the roof. So
1: what you're going to start to hearing is a contingency plan to make the borrowers feel like, no, 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 our guy's still fighting for us, right?
0: It, so, it's never going to happen. The I mean, first thing, put out there now.
1: not It's not going to happen. The first thing that you're going to probably start to hear is a potential suspension of payments again. Let me tell you why that's not going to happen, or why it most likely will not happen. It might, but most likely why it won't. During the debt ceiling negotiations, one of the first things that they all agreed upon was to cancel the suspension of the interest-free uh, debt payments or you know, stopping
0: all payments. Yeah. They, they want to start that back up. you got to get the economy moving again. And, if, and honestly, I believe that, that that is probably the biggest weight on why consumer spending hasn't come down. Exactly. People haven't been paying their student debt. The
1: other thing that you might hear is maybe they can try, retry again under a different regulatory statute. Like I talked about the Higher Education Act. Right now, he knows he's going to lose if he does that.
0: It'll get struck down again. And it'll probably get struck down in and around November of 24, given the timeline of how long this took out to play out. So that's not a good time for you if you run for president. Exactly. So keep in mind, payments have been paused since
1: March of 2020.
0: That's a long time. Three years of balling out, man. <laughs> balling out. That's you ever it. wonder why your favorite social media, Instagram, celebrities on all these vacations? <laughs> now you know where they've been influencing from. Right. So that's three years that people have not had to deal with payments
1: out of sight, out of mind. You know they haven't been planning. Mo- majority of people, 45
0: million people, have not been planning to restart these payments again. Oh, no. They, a lot of them were hoping that they would be, they'd be waves. Right. Keep in mind, so the ten to 20000 depending on where you fell in the spectrum of this, this proposed now unconstitutional uh, student debt forgiveness. Yes. That wiped out like 80% of student debt for most people. I mean, for like across the country. Yes. It, was, it was a big number. It was it was, maybe even 90%. Yeah, it was an overwhelming pr- proportion of, of people who had student debt who would wiped them out. Right. So it, it was
1: huge. would have been really, really good, right, if what the economy needed was more consumer spending. But right now, consumer spending has been the only thing propping up the economy. So it hasn't, hasn't really been an issue. Once these payments have to start going into effect, the average student loan payment we talked about in a previous episode, anywhere between two to four hundred dollars. That's an extra $204 expense for people that we know are having a tough time right now, savings, right? Their credit card payments are going up every month, right? It's projected by some investors that this is gonna affect the market cap, $18 billion of consumer spending
2: a month. Wow, that's a lot. That's a big number.
0: Big number a month affordability is a problem man in the housing market too and, and that that spending kind of translates over well think about it we talked about
1: it before consumer spending makes up about 70 percent of us's gdp
2: so 200 billion dollars a year taken away from consumer spending you want to early not 100 confident to make a prediction but thought okay i think there is a
0: strong likelihood of once student debt repayment starts once the housing market becomes more visibly affected once once we're more tangibly in a recessionary economy, for there to be a visceral swing the other way. Yes. To trigger the recession in a much quicker, more profound way. Yes. And I think that that, that stickiness that we've seen kind of where you're seeing inflation coming down, coming down, but it's sticking around four percent. Yeah. I think we're gonna have a three handle, possibly this next time. I'm not worried about this print. The headline about... figure or the core? Because headline, headline, not core. Okay. Well, headline PCE did hit that three handle. Yeah, I know. But but I, I think we're going to still see a three-handle, mm-hmm. and I think what you're going to see is a violent swing the next time down even lower, or you're talking about potential like recessionary triggers at this point. In time? Yeah, which is what a lot of a lot of people, except for uh, my, my favorite Jeremy Siegel, uh, oh. we'll talk about it later, has an opinion on. He he has a, a different thought. But let's go to home builders because this pisses me off to no end. Mm-hmm. Now I have sat in a room on more than one occasion. Last time was CEO Summit uh, in New York, and I had the the home builders versus the bankers. Yep. And the home builders at the time, this was 2019, had this rosy optimistic look. Like they, I've never seen a business like home builders where they try to find the optimism as much as they can. And it's very much like a broke culture environment still. And I know really? a, lot, a lot of females have tried to break into this space. And for some reason, it's still very male dominated. And I think they need more females in the space, to be honest with you, because there seems to be too much of this like buying into everybody else's bullshit. Okay, And I'd like to see a little bit of reality come in and a little bit of, I guess, perspective. So the CEO of Fortune 500 home builder, DR Horton, reveals now how he, concer- how he cornered the housing market amid historic affordability squeezes from Fortune. And I got some, some stuff to read from this article, which will go into the Austin challenges later on. Here's what you'll typically see with home builders. Is they're looking at putting out units? The more properties they can sell, the better they are because yes. they're trying to get rid of these, these, these properties they built.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They'll bring down home values to move more units.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And because of that inflection, they will always steer the narrative to, oh, look how, many, look how many properties we sold versus look at how much we sold them for. Right. And At the same time, this is coming out how he's cornered the market amid historical affordability squeeze. He's not talking about how he's brought down the value of these properties no. to meet affordability needs. Right. He's talking about we, we, would, we went to all these properties. We moved them all. We sold them all. Right.
1: Well, I think the big thing for home builders right now, what they're seeing is they see an, oppor- an opportunity for them to get some more market share. Because right now, the supply, the inventory on existing listings yeah is so low. It's a problem. It's a big problem. There's, I think there's twice as many new
0: home listings as there are for existing listings, existing home sellers. And there's a number of reasons why that's good. There's a number of reasons why that's bad. Yeah, good, you as a person who's buying a new home, you get a fixed price. You don't have to worry about as much for competition. It's generally, can you get your application in first? First come, first serve more mentality as opposed to like bidding up prices to crazy dollars. Right. The bad is that means that there's a stalemate in the the used home market. Mm -hmm. And people aren't listing their properties, which we do think will come to an end. But let me read from the article, and I'm going to read from the midpoint so I apologize if this comes off a little unorganized. But fast forward to June 2023 and stocks of home builders including DR Horton and Lennar have set new all-time highs as new home sales continue their speedy resurgence because of the issue that I just referenced mm. consider DR Horton in particular which saw cancellation rates fall back down from 32% in Q3 of 2022 to 18% in Q3 of 2023 so that fall of about almost almost half right 32% down to 18% right goes to show you that people aren't canceling in back out of these anymore they've kind of accepted reality they're buying them there's no other stock that can go buy in used homes right so that they're gonna they're gonna be married to this they've accepted reality i mean some of that some of that could be they believe that rates are only going
1: to go up from here i'm not ready to wait till 2025 to come in and buy a home right i'd
0: rather just i'll just get in now and deal with the consequences and this has been a very big argument point with me and a lot of economists a lot of smart economists have said Rates aren't going to continue to rise uh, on home prices. They're going to want to, you know, capping out here, and they're going to go back down. and I and I don't understand why they think that it, the low end of the curve has been so low for so long that maybe they've forgotten. The yield curve influences the ten year treasury. The ten year treasury has the biggest influence on mortgage rates. That needs to come out of the inversion. You're talking at least four point seven five, if not more, and it's currently like around three eight three nine ish. Mm-hmm. I didn't check on Monday because I was at Disneyland with my family, but. It's gonna come out of that inversion. When it does, it's gonna push mortgage rates significantly higher than they are today. Today they're around seven percent in some cases. Yes. That means eight, maybe eight and a half percent, if not nine percent, before that even happens. And that's not in not not accounting for anything else that might happen in the economy to push them higher. Right. So if yeah, if you believe that's gonna happen, then you're not gonna cancel. And a Fed funds target rate being mm-hmm. cut has no impact on that. That yeah. is completely independent. Don't think that it does. Continuing on from the article. As the market started to sink last year, ALD, the gentleman who's referenced in the article, says builders began to reduce their profit margins. What does that mean in in normal speak? Mm -hmm. Reduce the price of the home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, again, they're they're very, you know, narrowly tailoring their language here. Right. But effectively, as builders began to reduce their profit margins, lower their homes, Mm -hmm. the home prices that they're selling, which had grown to record levels during the boom to do things. That would entice buyers back into the market. Right. Okay? So they did lower values to bring buyers back in. Yes. That's that's just a fact from the article. For some builders, that meant offering aggressive rate buy-downs, which in some cases lower buyers' mortgage rates below 5%. In some communities, it requires cutting prices by 5 and 10%. In fast-correcting markets like Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. where D.R. Horton is the largest builder, some new construction communities saw home prices cut by over fifteen percent. Wow, incredible! So
1: I also I have some stats here for you, right? Something that we've talked about before on the show. But here, here are the hard numbers.
0: Hold on a second. Before giving me any hard, especially numbers, Bruno, you want beer one still or beer two? Beer two. What are we doing here? Beer one. Should we, uh, should we get open beer two?
2: Wow,
3: I, um, I respect that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That. You want to come in mid-show and uh, bring one in? <laughs> Let's do this.
3: Plus
1: it's the, the
0: 4th of July, baby. Let's hey, celebrate yeah. the country. <laughs>
3: wow. What are we
0: doing? Hold on, hold on.
1: Don't, go, don't oh, spin I, this. Don't spin this. Don't what?
0: No, I'm hey, sticking uh, my hand in there. You're grabbing the beer. End of story. Okay, yo, yeah. you stick your hand in the, here. I'll grab the beer. Sight uh, <laughs> will grab it. Hey, <laughs> you should, stick, stick your little paw in you here. trying to spin this around like, hey, you want You want?
3: You
1: you to be patriotic and have some beers? Why don't you walk your butt over here and bring me a beer?
0: No, I've got an injury. I've got a pulled uh, nerve in my back. I literally can't stand up right now. Oh, yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. Bruno, you there? Oh dude. Oh, he is to... bring... no, he's come. Come. You're
3: gonna bring it or what? I'm about to. All he's right. All right,
0: so while he's bringing it, let me let me give me
1: your stats while he's doing that. So Some of you know, but these stats shouldn't be taken lightly. Hold on. I kind of want to make Just sure. Just keep that going. We... His... You'll see a hand come in the door. <laughs> 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 when the beer's here, you'll be fine. <laughs> so, 92% of homeowners have a mortgage rate below 6%. 82% of homeowners have a rate Here you go, Chris. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you, Odin. Thank you for the IPA, sir. 82% of homeowners have a rate below 5%. 62% have a rate below America. 4%. This is all per friend.com. Wait, I'm sorry, Redfin. I misread Friend. that. Friend? I misread that. It was the Anagram. Are you okay? It was the Anagram. It
0: was oh, okay. You're gonna, you're gonna cite the fact that you knew it was an Anagram. You see what I did there? From a previous show. <laughs> you did it on purpose, huh? I <laughs> did it, yeah. I gotta tell you, it wasn't funny. Because <laughs> yeah. you didn't get it. You no, weren't, no, I, I you got weren't it. hit you weren't hip to it. So wait, so if we know that... What is going on with you the last couple not, of shows? Last not, couple of shows, you've been very off. You've been, like, super focused and, like, narrowly tailored in your perspective. You're not fucking me a little bit? Like, on. I just feel like there's a little bit of salt in your game right no, now. what do you bro? mean? I'm like, trying to be...
1: Because you guys keep calling me the villain, and I'm trying to make sure... Okay,
0: I'm sorry we call you the
1: villain. It's I'm, just a sarcastic play. People,
0: people, we know you're
1: not the devil. People are coming out the woodworks, and I'm being like, <laughs>
0: hey, yo, stop being the villain, asshole. <laughs> Arun, can you, can you draw me here? we are sorry. We're, not, we're yeah, just giving you a bro, hard guy, time, okay? Guy, yeah. Do better no. Oh
2: shit.
1: damn! So if we know that 92 percent of people out there have rates below six percent, and right now we're at seven percent, and the ten-year uh, Treasury ne- yield needs to go out out of its inversion, yeah, right? Okay, and we know that that will happen. So the supply isn't going to come onto the market,
2: right? What is this? This is a chart from the article. We
1: pulled up a chart from the article here, but I feel like the only way to really get out of this mess, right, that we're in is more supply, more inventory needs to come on the market. That's true. Okay? Yeah. So what's going what, to be the cause of that? To bring some of these prices down for people to buy. Okay? I don't know what. It, Non-household debt. Non-household debt unequivocally would be a huge factor. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Not bad. So, you know, today pending home sales came out. Oh, I didn't. Not pending home sales came out today. I didn't get a chance to put this in the article, so I'll try to find the link to make sure I set it in, but I, I grabbed some of the data from there ending home sales dropped 2.7 percent in May month over month. It fell in three of the regions, right? Month over month, it was down 6.1 percent in the West, 5.3 percent in the Midwest, 5.4 percent in the South. In the Northeast, up 12.9 percent. But ask me what that price range was. What was the price range? 270 thousand oh. dollars. That's an affordability issue, dude. Huge yeah. issue. People can only that. That's what people are buying because that's that's what they can afford. So if that's the case, we need more supply. If we're going to rely on these home builders to put more supply on the market, you tell me, you know the space better because you know, you're a general contractor. Hmm. From start to finish, I mean, from, a, from when housing permits began to your start to breaking ground to getting it listed on the market, it's going to take so long for the supply to hit the market. We could be in this situation for like a decade unless there is a correction of some sort.
0: I think there has to be a correction. If you're, if you're the generation who wants to buy a home or upgrade your current home, yeah. that's, that's frankly a lot of America right now, you can't do it. No. I mean, what if you sell your home and you want to use your equity and your property to buy another home, which is what most Americans do, you're going to give up this rate for double the rate for more home. It's like triple the payment. Right. And most people aren't prepared. Because keep in mind, they underwrite you to about 25 of your gross income
2: Yeah, for your debt to income ratio Yeah, for your debt to income ratio
0: For your affordability Can you afford this property? That's the Fannie Freddie guideline Yeah Well, if you're already at that Because you stretch to buy a home Maybe
1: explain to people Why do do these institutions need to underwrite To
0: that, you know, 45% mark Well, in a practical sense They want to make sure that you can afford the home And that you have enough discretionary cash flow Left over after making your mortgage payment To afford the cost of living because of what happened in 2008. Not just because of what happened in 2008, just because it just practically makes sense. Because well, 2008, 2008 highlighted it, certainly. Yeah, but back yeah. then,
3: there
1: weren't, there weren't, they were taking stated income. People yeah. used to be able to state how much money they're making, mm-hmm. oh, and qualify me for this loan. But now, you know banks especially, are required to show an ability to repay
0: the loan. Yeah, under the Dodd-Frank Reform Act, you were required to verify proof of income, proof of funds, Mm-hmm. Source these things out and vet them in a way that people hadn't done before, right? And that was a, kind of a pivot. In that we all knew we should have been doing it as far as bankers go, but now it's required by law that you have to establish mm-hmm. an ability to repay, and that's from the rules the ability to repay, right? And that's how they do it now. Fannie Freddie guidelines have always been that, mm-hmm. but they had programs which, if you stated that you made a certain amount of money, which gave you a forty five percent of your gross income based on what you said it was, right? They would qualify you. Now they say you have to establish an ability to repay. Based on actual proof of income coming in, yeah. There's some programs out there which will allow you to use like bank statements for deposits, but it isn't like the old days where you just fill out an application, turned it in, nobody gave any like you know, evidence. You need to show evidence of what you're making, right? In yeah. one one form or another. So it was very important. All right, let's look at this DR Horton cancellation uh, rate normalization in Q1 chart that you pulled up. I like this chart for a number of reasons. It compares COVID the COVID 19 recessionary cancellations in Q2 of 2020 mm. to the mortgage rate shock in Q3 of 2022 where you saw mortgage rates kind of really creep up to where they are really today. Right. Then you see this kind of taper down a little bit. And what it does show is behavioral economics behind this. And I know that like, you look at the bar charts, you go, okay, what well, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, and went up a little higher in 2022. Two things I think you can take home from this right away. Number one, people were less scared to buy a home during the COVID-19 recession, despite all the things we talked about, all the turmoil, all the uncertainty, Yeah, than they were to buy a home with mortgage rate shock. Yeah, makes sense. They are they are more afraid of the real implication of the price than they are of the uncertainty of the unknown. Right. That to me is crazy.
1: Yeah. Now, I was one of those. I was one of those people. Yeah, you did, and, and yeah, uh, you did. got a good
0: deal.
2: Yeah, I got a good deal. Okay. Whoever helped you would do that was brilliant. Yeah. You know are, anybody? Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for thanking me. Thank <laughs> you.
0: But Q1 2023, Q2 2023, as this chart shows, chart, as this chart shows. We're adults. <laughs> yeah, we're adults. Has not shown a lot of volatility and cancellations in the first uh, two quarters of 2023. Yeah. And I think the next thing we're going to see is actually an increase again. Mm-hmm. Think of it as a sine wave. It goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. And let's look at this at uh, the chart as a sine wave. It went up in 2022, mm-hmm. 2020, came back down to Q1 of 2021, went back up to Q3 of 2021. Yeah. Back down. And then back up all the way to Q3 2022, and now it's on a downward trend. Where does it go next? It goes up. It yeah. goes up. So that it, Whether it's the next quarter or the one after that, I think you're going to see that. And I think that's, that's the recessionary inflection point. So the charts like these, they're not necessarily indicative of financial stress. But I think as much as they're trying to highlight their cancellations are lower, mm-hmm. in my mind, this does not bode well for their argument, which kind of goes to this whole broke culture where they buy into their whole thing.
1: Right. I, don't, I don't get it. So existing home new listings, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, so that's people that have owned their home for a while and they list their homes for sale. Yeah, that's down twenty six percent year over year. Big reason of that is because if they sell their home, they don't know where they're going to go. You really proud the show.
2: Yeah, you did. Why would
0: you? Why? Why would you sell if you don't know where you're going to go? You want a non villain move by you. I'm very proud to call you my teammate. <laughs> <laughs> you're proud.
1: So I was listening to the. Fine, gentlemen, over at the Value PBD
0: podcast. I, I didn't Patrick, but you know what's shocking about Patrick but David? Mm. I
2: always thought he was like in his fifties. What is he? He's forty-four. Stud. He's a year older than me. Also, a minority owner of the New York Yankees. Now, yeah. He looks fifty, right? No. Stud. That's I'm straight. not saying he's not a stud. I'm I, saying I, he. like agree. I, but. I think he looks better than you. Younger. Than you. And better than you. I just gave you a compliment. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to
0: walk back the villain thing, and you you give me that. That's that's just what am I supposed to do with subjective opinion? I'm opening up my heart and soul it's to just you. An opinion. It's, it's not a subjective opinion. It's a hurtful statement. <laughs> no, was
1: it? it was you just know, an you opinion. thought he was 52. It was, no, I did not. I really, I, I thought he was. Look
0: at him. We're just pulling up. Okay,
1: and he looks, and he looks better with you with a shaved head. No, but look,
3: look, look.
0: <laughs> He does look better with the shaved head. He's also he was also former great. military. I mean, he's a guy's a stud, all around stud. I'm not all, taking a shot across the bottom. I, look, he's
1: got a huge family. I, mean, I, I just, I just family. thought he was older than that. Yeah. So I was, I was listening to them. And I didn't, I didn't get to go and fact check their source. But what they said is San Francisco home sales, the values are coming down. They're down 17% in San Francisco. Okay. I know that does, mm. that's not in line with national averages. Okay. But if you think about some of the stuff that we've been talking about on the show, with the exodus of all the companies that are out there, a lot of the layoffs in the financial and the tech space, the fintech space as well, right? All coming out of San Francisco. You can understand there's more supply coming on the market over
2: there, hence bringing their values down. Makes a lot of sense. Does. Does. And nothing for me? No, no. Because I'm about to cite an article which tells you that you were right. So I feel like back to back complimenting
0: huh. after the one that I tried to give you just well, a didn't. Disco, you I'm, didn't understand that that was a segue. No, I did understand it was a segue, but. I I'm, I almost don't want to read the article now. <laughs> I know. Come on, man. <sighs> I was the okay. alley. Go ahead. Finish yeah. it. All right. This article titled U.S. Corporate Bankruptcies Are on the Rise. Mm. Instapot and Brooks Brothers Aren't Alone. Two brands that are near and dear God to God damn. I Brooks own Brothers? Instapot and I loved Brooks Brothers, Brook Brothers. I love I Brooks Brothers. They, they were uh, iconic American fashion at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Bankruptcies for large corporates have hit 2020 levels this is on the heels of several episodes where has brought this up as a concern it came from qz.com i don't even know who the hell that is
2: you want to look that up
0: because i, I cited the hell out of it with some of the show notes but
2: yeah
0: uh um, yeah it came well apple news is where it popped up for me so i don't i don't even really so blame that. apple and the data here on the left is pretty good so let's so, just read through the data blame david solomon if it's apple's fault it's david solomon david fault. solomon did this to so all this all of us. U.S. government uh, considers any failing company with more than $50 million in liabilities to be a, quote, large bankruptcy filing. Here's a look at some recent corporate bankruptcies in that category. So I went down the list. Thought they were interesting. Thought I would share. Lordstown Motors, a maker of electric vehicles, has declared bankruptcy and is seeking legal action against its major investor, Foxconn, for insufficient funding. That's kind of fucked up. Lordstown needs a buyer to scoop up its remaining electric vehicles. You told me you are going to invest more money into me. What the hell, dude? What the hell? It's your fault I'm failing. Actually, I believe the legal argument in court goes something to the effect of, "Beach, I am for real. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, on the motorbike. Uh, Pierce Street, a real estate investing company, which I was never a fan of, so I can't say that, that, that I feel bad. Just went belly up. I don't like that
1: phrase, by the way. Or in
0: Saeed's case, titties up. <laughs> Just went belly up. That's that's kind of dark and graphic, right? Well, I mean, if someone shoots you, you don't go stomach down. I mean, you can
1: shoot you from the you back. You don't go ass up. Really? No. Wait, wait, hold on. Dude. Can you look this up? Where does belly up come from? What is it referencing? The term belly up? Yeah. It's from shooting someone? I think if you're like, you're drowning and you come up.
0: Fish float up to the yeah. surface with belly up.
1: Yeah. Is that when you die, they come belly
2: up. I'm thinking of a human, though. And belly up into the ocean. Kind of dark. Too much.
0: I
3: don't Arun. Uh,
2: <laughs> I
0: don't there will me. be an open posting for a new co-host in the show in the what? next couple of days. <laughs> to mute him now? I, yeah, possibly. Maybe keep your mic live for a little bit and let's just see how it goes. You don't think that's too dark? I think that you are in a very interesting place right now in life, and whoever this is that you're bringing to the show every week, bring the old side back. I want the old side. He muted you already. <laughs> wow. So uh, as I continue talking to myself, thank you guys. The show's gotten immediately better. Pure Street has gone belly up. Mm. The company blamed tough times in both mortgage and the venture markets and plans to sell its home loans ec- and technology assets. Mm. Oh, you're back on. Yeah. <laughs> Surgical device maker, uh, Surgiline. Filed for bankruptcy this week and is selling all of its assets at auction after it had announced a failed attempt to reposition itself as a digital spine surgery business. I don't mm. even know what the fuck that is. After agreeing to sell its two orthopedic product line. Mm. The company made the announcement along with layoffs and getting rid of its chief commercial officer role. Private Equity owned Instant Brands, maker of the famous Instapot, and Pyrex also filed for bankruptcy in June. The company was straddled with $391 million in debt owed to non bank lenders that charge high interest rates, higher interest rates than in commercial banks. Jeez. So
1: I think the key takeaway point here is that these bankruptcy cases are mixed and really diverse amongst real estate companies, retail, pharmaceutical companies, and whatnot. This is what it says in the article. And most of these Chapter 11 cases actually end up in reorganization. So, yeah, I was wondering, yeah, re-org. I was, so I was wondering if maybe you could break that
0: down. So how do they go from, you know, bankruptcies to reorganization? Wow. Uh, let's like, see. How do I simplify sim-
1: this? As simple as possible. Yeah.
0: So a chapter 11, which is probably the most common type of bankruptcy, at least in my experience, is, is reorganization. So the company doesn't go away. They basically reorganize and structure debt payments to pay off their lenders in reduced amounts. The company survives so long as they, they conform to the bankruptcy plan. Right. So it's almost it's almost like debt consolidation, right? Effectively, yeah. yeah. And that's probably the most common one. So whenever whenever you hear bankruptcy, I'm always kinda I always hesitate and go, wait, okay, wait, is it chapter eleven or is it like, you know, real like I'm gone bankruptcy, yeah, I'm liquidating. Yeah. You know, and, and more often than not, it's a chapter eleven form and they're still around. Mm-hmm. Or somebody will scoop them up and buy them, that kind of thing. But uh I, I would say that in this particular market, if you're some of these companies, nobody's gonna buy these things anymore. Yeah, you not, know, not if, right now, exactly. Yeah, this is the bad time, so they're gonna wait till you actually file full bankruptcy and you liquidate and go to auction and buy your stuff at, at an auction price. Right. And they are gonna try to work out some M and A deal. And if you pop on the heels of the last episode where we talked about how M and A has fallen off a, a grid as far as like you know people are looking to buy right. now, the sure. reason why is they're waiting for these things to happen around a trillion dollars. Yeah, exactly. they, yeah, they can trillion trillion with an, with an A. They can wait for you to go into full bankruptcy and liquidate and go through these auction processes. And get pennies in the dollar versus actually paying you probably like a, a better price. Right. When you're in a chapter 11 or something like that for restructure. kind of Right. So not a whole lot of hope on the horizon for a lot of the U.S. corporate bankruptcies. But there's some hope from Jeremy Siegel. There's some hope from Jeremy Siegel, an economist. Says he can't rule out a Fed interest rate cut by year end. Here's why. Article from Market Watch. And uh, I should point out Jeremy Siegel, a.k.a. the Desert Eagle. Is the arch nemesis. To our boy. The one and only, the man. Legend. The myth. He ain't a myth. He's a legend. Noriel Rubini. Exactly. The man who predicted recession. Both colleagues, right? At NYU? Both colleagues at NYU. I would say oil and water. And (laughs) without any racial implications. Wow. Rubini is the oil. And Siegel (laughs) is the water. Siegel said... He thinks the true rate of inflation has already fallen from the Fed target rate of 2% on a year-over-year basis. If calculated with the real rental and shelter prices, and we'll get into that momentarily, Mm. while the core of the PCE index, the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, still stood at around 4.6% in May, the Fed also knows that lower data is going to come in the second half of the year, according to Siegel. Okay, two points right off the gate. Number one. He is absolutely right. Real rental and shelter pricing housing will come down. Will and has come down. We've seen it on the West Coast. We've seen it on the East Coast. You haven't seen it so much in the South and Midwest. We previous episodes we highlighted a graph which showed that. We're just waiting for these existing contracts to get reflected on their on the data points that, when they report them. So Siegel is making that reference. And I don't disagree that that is a very strong probability and possibility. Now I will say year over year, inflation compares inflation from today. To one year ago. So when you see the number come out, yes. it's a pretty significant thing. Well, guess what happened during the next inflation print one year ago? Inflation was notably significantly higher already, right. which means the average inflation number comes down by about 1%. Yes. So because of that, he is you know, kind of looking historically at the data from one year ago, looking mm-hmm. at where we are from future data coming out and lagging indicators and saying right. that he, he thinks we're below that. Right. And we've said long said on the show. That in order to get to the 2 to 3% target, you'd have to have has housing come down, rent and rent equivalent vis-a-vis inflation because it makes up 34%. And Siegel is just saying that. Right. Now, is so he's, sexy he sexy as Rabini? No,
1: but he's, he's no. smarter than this. And I know, something about this makes me... This is when I start to question these guys because, okay, you're an economist. You know better.
2: you know I'm better, you economist. Know, he knows, economist. He knows like better
1: Rubini. than to come out and say the true rate of inflation has already fallen. Okay,
0: hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because you like Rubin doesn't mean you got a cosign everything he says. No, man. Hold on. Fuck this guy. Wow. Seriously. Jeremy Siegel, bro. Jeremy Siegel, let me tell the you Desert
3: why.
1: Eagle. The Desert Eagle. Let me tell you why. With water. Noriel's oil. It's because Noriel's always in the hot tub. So listen, he's be- he, he knows better than, than to be spewing this shit out. Because, okay, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, PCE. That came out. Headline figure. Overall, Three point eight percent. We got a three handle. Look, it's falling down. But he knows the Fed prefers me- measure is core inflation, core PCE. Mm-hmm. What did that come in at? You cited it four point six percent. He's saying that came down really. Let me, let me read you since January. January four point seven percent. February four point seven percent. March four point six percent. April four point seven percent. May four point six. It's going four
0: point seven to four point six. So, just to be clear here, you are co-signing the villain economist Rubini. Love the villain. Because he aligns with you. No, because you know why? you're not co-signing the optimistic hero perspective. I like hot tubs. That is not a reason to be an economist. (laughs) It is for him. (laughs) During the recession.
1: During the recession, exactly. So, that's why he knows better. He knows the the Fed. And look, right now, I believe the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, as of a couple days ago, Eighty-some percent chance of raising fed funds rate at the end of this month. Yeah. Fuck. 25 basis points. It, it's high. It's high as, as of right now. Well, as of right now, and well, there's look, no, hold there's on no data that I think is coming out. that's going to stop it. it. That's the problem. Yeah. This was the data point right here that the fed's going to be leaning on the most. Right. And now is it enough of a wait and see approach that they said that they were going to take? No, I don't think so. They said they wanted to, you know, implement a wait and see approach that the, That should, in my mind, be at least several months. A lot of these indicators are lagging indicators, right? Here's the reason why they like to exclude food and energy. So the headline figure of 3.8%, which includes food and energy in the overall inflation number, 3.8%. That's largely come down because of, remember we were talking on the show? Man, eggs out here are like gold. Remember we were talking about that?
0: It was a euphemism for your eggs.
1: Okay, my eggs. Remember, gasoline, because of the, you know, Ukraine-Russia war, yep. Th- that's come down. It's come down over a dollar over and 20-some cents uh, across the nation on average, right? Not so much in California. California, we still kind of hurting. That's because of our own,
0: you know, policy. So I may have known and anticipated you co-signing my friend Noriel Rubini. And despite that, I could have put this upcoming article Ahead of the one we just spoke about. I thought this would be a great way to paint you into a predicament. Okay. So, well, this is actually... That's a villain move. It is a villain move. But I wanted to get you a little off your uh, off your calculated track here. Because I think the site that's rough and raw and out there ready to mingle okay, is the real site. This me calling. narrowly tailored, sexy version of you. Wait, me,
1: me saying fuck Jeremy Single wasn't good enough?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, he's easy to say. That too. He's kind of a douche. <laughs> okay. And so I saw this on uh, social media, uh-huh. the world's best reference point for Clearly. economic data. Clearly, digestible information. But I did go down the rabbit hole to try to find information that, that coincides it, and, and I didn't get 100% aligned. But this, which will will play from social media, talks about Austin getting picked in the ding ding by layoffs. You've already heard from DR Horton, they've lowered prices 15%. Mm hmm. But uh, I thought this was an interesting take. Arun, you want to give it a play? It's from Reventure Consulting. We'll have a link in the show notes. Prices in Austin, Texas, just crashed by 20%. With Redfin showing a huge collapse in median sale price from $570,000 in 2022 all the way down to $460,000 in 2023. And home
1: prices in Austin are likely to continue to decline because of all of the massive layoffs. Companies
0: headquartered in Austin, like Tesla, Dell, and Oracle, continue to lay off workers left and right. That's happening just as home builders in Austin continue to go crazy, pulling nearly 50,000 permits for new homes and apartments in 2022. That's double the pre pandemic level and also double the level of building back in 06 at the peak of the previous bubble which means that there's a lot of people who bought a house in austin in 2021 and 2022 that are regretting it right now that are underwater on their mortgage or will be underwater soon because i think prices in austin are going to keep going down with data from reventure app showing that austin's housing market's still 27 overvalued wow 27 wow. wow. overvalued mm. so going a little farther down this rabbit hole I decided to dig through Redfin. I couldn't find the exact data he was referencing, but I do believe that it's out there. I just didn't spend the time doing it. I found this. The median U.S. home sales price fell 4.1%, $17,603 year over year in April. We covered this on a previous episode. episode episode to $408,031. That's the biggest drop on record in dollar terms and the largest decline since January of 2012 in percentage terms. So how, does this, how did you pin this against me? April marked the third largest consecutive month of year-over-year declines following roughly a decade of increases. Arun, do me a favor and pull that chart and make it nice, and big, and sexy in front of Arun real quick. I'm in front of sight. Um, I'm all over the place, fuck it. All right, home price is supposed to be the biggest drop since 2012 in April. That, that's a hockey stick down. Yes, it is. That is what Siegel was talking about, brother. That's what Siegel was referencing. This data is going to come in. He's he's citing
1: overall inflation. He wasn't talking about home prices. Yes,
0: but this is rent and rent equivalent, which is Mm -hmm. a 34% portion of inflation. And before you get sassy, Arun closes. Let's go to the next reference point, shall we? It will go down. Hold on. Wait, wait. Jerome
1: Powell himself also said, and we talked about on the show, I do think it is going to come down. I just don't think it's going
0: to be coming down at a fast enough cadence for the Fed to cut rates. Fair enough. Okay. Matthew Hayes, our boy on social media, has been linked up with me a number of one times. Hayes love consulting. me some Matthew Hayes. He's a stud. He uh, pointed me to St. Louis Fed Data, which is here. Builders will always sacrifice their sales price to save... Uh, sacrifice their sales to save their sales price. So they'll... No, no. Pace. Pace.
1: Builders will always sacrifice their sales price to save their sales pace. Yeah, that's it. Put the man correctly, guys. Sorry, don't. I
0: didn't make it larger for you. Yeah, I'm blind. It's fine. I love you. Alright, so... If you look at the chart that arun's pulled up here you have the fed data now Arun, we're going to show you this in real time the website that you have on the right there let's make that big on the screen so we can show it to the kids
2: we're going to put us up in a corner so we can make fun of each other while we're doing this that's how we do it yeah okay all right now chart has a hockey stick and your eyebrows have hockey pockets they
0: do now on the bottom there there is this blue bar on the left of that blue bar, you can scroll the data over. There you go. Click that and scroll all the way over until you get to about on there. All right. Now it's going to zoom in to the, the, the whole period of time. Going, so actually zoom out to the left a little bit more. We just going to try to get the last recession in there. You can, there you go. Perfect. All right. So you can do this at home anytime you want to. The gray bar is going vertically up and down are recessionary economies. Mm -hmm. The one on the right is January 2020, the pandemic recession. The one on the left is the Great Recession. Look at the correction during the Great Recession of median sales price for new homes sold in the United States. And look at the top right corner of this graph. Mm -hmm. Look how fast that has gone down compared to the Great Recession. The largest impact on home values we have had in recent modern history compared to what we're seeing now. There is a big, Big correction this, coming.
1: This is the problem with uh, only analyzing month-over-month month figures. You need to zoom out, look year-over-year, over year and see, look, this is coming down. You're going to have peaks and valleys, but it's going to, it's on a downward trend. Mm-hmm. Right. So,
0: Siegel is not wrong that the see data, data is going, going to come it. in.
1: It is? No, it will come in, and it will be a big part of the report. Will it come down at a fast enough pace for them to cut rates by the end of the year? Well, I don't I, think so. I think
0: that's where the Fed's going to make a, a material mistake. and They've already started the, on this path. Mm-hmm. They have already made their mind up. They're not doing what Milton Friedman suggested they should do in monetarism, we've, that you should look at the results and not the expectations. And we've talked about it on the show before. I, I don't remember the stats off the top of my head. But
1: the, the last three times or three major times where they were trying to control this and they got rates up to whatever target range, terminal rate that they got them to, They did not turn around and cut them in a couple months. It was around 11 to 18 months of
2: holding, Mm -hmm.
1: holding the rates. So that's where Jeremy Siegel, my friend, you are wrong from the the chief economist of the higher standard. Gang, gang. Come on. Hit me with the gang, gang.
2: All right, gang, gang. There you go. You agree with me. Yeah,
0: you're right. They're not going to cut rates. Jeremy Siegel is not right. Yeah. But I did like the idea of having a differing perspective from a very well-known and respected economist. He
1: is respected. Just but not by you. Just because he's
0: older. Just not by you. He's just because old. he's older? He's older. God damn it, sight I'm trying to paint you in a can positive we, can light. Can
1: we pull up his uh, Jeremy Spiegel's... Don't, 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 don't do that. Well, don't. nice picture. Not, I'm not, I, I want to see his resume. Why is he so respected? He's... Come on.
2: <sighs> he's been wrong on a lot of things so far.
1: I'm gonna. It? That's it. On the next episode, I'm, I'm bringing up everything Jeremy Spiegel said wrong over oh, the last six months. It.
0: I know what Irwin's doing behind the scenes. He's doing it up right now. He's just... <laughs> you're just trying to find the actual right spelling of his name because you can't say it right. Jeremy Siegel. Yeah, it's not a P. <laughs> yeah, it's not a P. Siegel. <laughs>
3: Who yeah.
2: am I thinking? of? Why would I say the Desert Eagle if his name is Spiegel? Spiegel. Oh, is that? I think that was a poker player. No, I think you're just full of shit. No, Spiegel. There's no Jeremy Spiegel. Oh, there is.
0: Oh, okay, he's over. No. Virgin suicides. Great. No, not good job. Guy. That's your actor.
1: No, type in Spiegel uh, poker player. Can we just take the German? Did Siegel you ever get now? into poker? I
0: stop. I'm
2: better than you, but did no, you, you ever not. like get you're into not. it? 77 years old, okay, uh-huh. so he's not... Uh... Look at him, dude. What's wrong with him? Let's see. What is he known for? What is he known for, Chris? Why do you like him so much? Uh, graduated all from all over...
1: Columbia University in
0: 1967. Dude, he's often on CNN, CNBC, Fox. I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah. He's a very constant speaker. I think
2: he's constantly preaching optimism. Okay, go to his criticism so, so you can get this out of the way. Yeah.
1: Siegel has said that initial public offerings, stocks sold by new companies, typically disappoint. <laughs> it is the future for investors, why they why the tried and the true triumph over the bold and the new. Siegel I actually analyzed, agree with that statement. They do often disappoint. Siegel n- analyzed 9,000 IPOs between 1968 and 2003 and concluded that IPOs consistently underperform a small cap
2: index in nearly four out of five cases. I agree. Okay. That's fine. Uh, the bullishness of 2000 is what you really came in for there. Okay. So that, that's the criticism of him.
1: Some have criticized Professor Siegel for being bullish on the stock market back in 2000. In Business Week interview in May 2000, when asked about the stock market, he replied, 7% per year real returns on stock is what I find over nearly two centuries. I don't see persuasive reasons why it should be any different from that over the intermediate run. In the short run, it could be almost anything. Okay, yeah, I agree with that.
0: He's saying over two centuries, two hundred years. Mm. He's looking at long-term investing, and, and over that period of time, he's right. That being long-term
1: said, investing, yeah. We that agree, being we said, Professor that.
0: Siegel, not Spiegel, was <laughs> correct when he said. Also stated the same in the interview. I have voiced my concern about the technology sector, and I sometimes advise people to shade down mm. from that sector relative to its percentage in the quote Standard and Poor's 500 index. What? But but this is really
2: this is really the big point. The Wall Street Journal published an opinion piece by Siegel titled "Big Cap Tech Stocks." Is calling the tech stock big cap, big cap. Think about big capitalization. Right? Wait, no, he's not saying he's not saying they're lying really largely. Big cap, not us
1: He's not hip to it.
2: What happened to
0: you? <laughs> you used to be a great great show host, and now like, I'm I'm looking at you going like, "Come on, what bro. the fuck else is this guy going to say?" Big today? cap, no cap. No cap, no cap, no cap. You off? Okay. It's been several shows. What's going on? What's going on? Let's get this out of the way. What's going on? What
1: was wrong with what I just said?
0: It just it's I, subpar. I'm trying to I'm trying to bring the I younger feel like that'd demographic be like a, like element. The top ten percent podcast host statement, not a top one percent. Wow. You wait, know wait, we, we are. out here doing business.
2: We out here with the American flags.
0: Praise America.
2: Praise. Pounded America. <laughs> Pounded America. Poundered America. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Anyway. Anywho. Shall we get into... I already covered this. Well, there was one article I think you wanted left. Oh,
1: yeah. So, people hire phone bots to torture telemarketers. AI software and voice uh, cloners simulate distracted saps while are willing to stay on the phone forever or until callers finally give up. So, what this guy, what this guy did is, is he started to use AI, right, in these chat bots. To keep these telemarketers and these scammers on the on the phone forever, and I was reading it, and all I could think about was you. And how come you haven't started a company doing this? I should do this all
0: day long. I mean, this should be it. I would love to do this. Can You imagine
1: people could hire us to do this for
3: them.
0: Little uh, guilty pleasure I have is there's a couple different social media pages and YouTube accounts that are dedicated to fucking with and hacking telemarketers. Oh, I love this. Where they reverse hack them, get into their computers, and like hack their shit. Show their the can- their own cameras. I love it. Yeah, you'll do. I I will watch that shit all day long.
1: What's your go to like uh, scenario when you're telling them to please hold while I like, gather the information you're looking for?
0: Oh, so I've got a couple different variants of this. Yeah. So variant one is I act stupid, <laughs> right? And so if you're a wholesaler and you call me, yeah, it's actually happened to me yesterday, and they're like. Yo, what's up, man? I'm like, I've heard this pitch. You work for Keegley. And he goes, Yeah. And I go, say what's up to your CEO, Jamil, for me. He goes, Thanks, bro. I'll talk to you later. Oh. <laughs> so you ended it right away. Ended it you right should have kept him going for a Because I bit. know Jamil and I, you know, no respect intended to him and his people, but I get it. But I get a lot of the wholesale calls. Okay. If you're domestic and you call me from here mm. and I can tell like you're just some dude is on the phone, like dialing for dollars, yeah, I'm gonna fuck with you and give you like crazy ass prices. Like on a property that I know is worth like four hundred thousand, I'm gonna be like, you know what, dude, you got me at the right time. <laughs> I'm I'm feeling desperate for cash. I could probably let that go for a million one, yeah, a million one. But you know what, fuck, you you're really nice. I'll sell it to you for a million. <laughs> and sometimes they've been attractive as soon as they get a price, to get on the phone, yeah. And that's not fun. Sometimes they're looking it up on the phone with you,
1: yeah, because they don't know.
0: And they're like, the "Fuck, yeah, where's this
2: guy getting this information?" I'm
0: like, "No, no, no, you don't understand, like." So it used to be a uh, two bedroom, three bath, yeah, in Oklahoma City, but now, um, it's actually an entire retail strip, yeah. You're like what? And you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I demoed the whole thing, and <laughs> um, and I just started telling him the story, like a wild ass story, right? <laughs> and I tried to pitch it to where, where like, I'm way undervalued, right? And I get the manager to call me, and it, every once in a while, like, you get somebody like you know call you and be like, okay, I got a deal, I'm ready to do this, let's go, blah, blah blah. I Looked into it, and I'm like, all right, man, do me a favor. He goes, yeah. Take my name off your fucking call list. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I
1: love it. Because <laughs> I own a lot of real estate. I get a lot of these calls. This this is my favorite usage of AI software right now. I'm like,
0: finally, finally being used for good. If I get one call from the Philippines, I always try to talk to him about Makati City
3: yeah, and
0: like how I've been there. And like, I won't talk to him at all about the property. I'd be like, I love Makati. Have you been to Boracay? <laughs> oh my God, the beaches are amazing, right? right. That's, yeah, <laughs> that,
1: that's, that's what you got to do. You just got to keep dragging them on. You know, Pacquiao has a house there, right? Yeah, Pacquiao. <laughs> The guy, the guy on this was saying how um, he was just he started he created it to make him sound really really old, right. and they were asking him how much credit card debt do you have? I think it was probably something like debt consolidation or something, yeah. right? And he's like, I can't remember if it's fifteen hundred or fifteen thousand. Hold on, let me let me log in. Hold on one second. And he kept putting them on hold.
2: Then he come back. So how's your day going? Where are you out of? And just he would drag on these call these phone calls for like hours. Mm-hmm. I gotta be honest. I feel like.
0: I don't want there to be any racial undertones to this. Oh. I'm, I'm just gonna say my I, so I fuck with a lot of these <laughs> call centers, right? Caveat. Caveat, yeah. I feel like people in the Philippines are literally hired because they're cheap labor. Mm-hmm. Right? They're generally really nice, like happy people. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like the people in India are much more manipulative. Really? Yeah. In my experience with telemarketers. Mm. So I,
0: I, it's weird, like you get like these call center vibes sometimes. I've like, never had like a good experience like an Indian call center. Like they're usually like, right? You can tell the difference because you hear them in the background, you hear how busy they are, you hear yeah. like the accents, and everything else. I'm at a point now though. Where I'm like, where the fuck is the FTC? Yeah. Like, when do y'all motherfuckers step in and go like, all right, this shit's gone too far. Yeah. Do something about this. Like, wh- you you guys can't stop this. Next thing you know, we need verified phone numbers.
2: Bro. Oh, look at that.
0: I want a little asterisk next to my name. Yeah. Unlock it. Yeah. I want to be able to change my picture on all your phones at the same time.
2: <laughs> what
1: picture
0: would you go with? Oh, it, it depends. This right here? Uh-huh. With the American Black am I, Magic? Am, I, am I still working for a publicly <laughs> traded company? <laughs> no. Oh, no? Oh, fuck. Yeah. That'd be offensive as shit. <laughs> I'd have like, my Reface app on somebody else's body, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be bad. I told a long time ago that I couldn't, I couldn't use the Reface app anymore. Really? Yeah. I was wondering why you stopped. Oh, and those are great. I am technically not allowed to use the Reface app because it's offensive. Ah. I guess the one that pushed over the line was I put my face on Kim Kardashian's body in a music video. See, that's a bit much. I felt like that was that's fine.
1: Extremely disrespectful to Kim Kardashian.
0: Actually, it felt like it was... Yeah, okay, well, I'll leave, I'll leave Le- it there. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> I'll, it! I'll leave it that there, yeah. All right, well, you got anything else? Yes, I do. Fourth of July is a very special day to me, to Rune, not to Saeed. To me, too. Uh, Stop it. You haven't had any alcohol. You haven't imbibed to celebrate the day. When I go home,
2: get in the pool with the kids, I will. I thought this was your home, Saeed. No, it's not. All right. Well, Arun. Sir. Love you, brother. Happy Fourth of July.
0: Love you, too, guys. Thank you for celebrating America with me. We'll just ignore Saeed at all. Yeah, let's go. Cheers. Love you, you guys. Stop. Cheers, boys.
1: Bye. Good night, everybody.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts.